I think men love better than women. I'm not talking sexually. I'm, oh, okay. I'm talking. I'm talking about their um, their commitment, and if you have to be sure he really loves you. I think there's a lot of guys that talk the talk, um, but I think once a man truly loves a woman, she better really hold up her end. Mm. Mm. <laughs> just what I'm saying. I've been with this guy forever that I'm married to, and I will. He's just surprised. Go ahead. I'm really glad that you're back because it's always great to have you back on the show. This Obviously, this is your third time, and each time I feel like something big and something amazing happens, and you're talking about this. We know that as many women, perhaps more, who knows the exact number of men or women who cheat, but they cheat. It's a human thing. It's a choice people make. Women have more to lose when they choose that. When men choose to cheat, they usually still love their wife very much, 56% of the time. When women cheat, that is not true. They are usually checked out of their marriage. And that's what makes it so vital to be able to open that discussion to women before they make that choice. Because when they make that choice, there's very little chance they will go back. Whereas if men choose to cheat, it's never a wise choice. But usually they can still work on their marriage and make it better and somehow rectify it. Mm, that's, that's a f really interesting point. So from your personal practice as well as your own research, what are the reasons why you've, you've learned that women cheat? Like what are some of the reasons like behind that? Well, you know, there's always this thing men will say many times. We know it's not biological. I mean, the reason guys cheat is we're biologically programmed to spread our seed, right? <laughs> well, the truth is That's biologically, <laughs> both men and women are created to cheat. Mm. I mean, it's in our DNA. I mean, not to cheat, but to spread our seeds. We look for that, and that's what people do. But you make a conscious choice when you get married. You make a vow, and that's an honorable thing, and that's where the problem lies. Once you make that vow, you it's not that you can't cheat. It's that you choose to stay faithful and committed. Mm. And so I look at it as, you know, basically I'm really into helping relationships grow and be healthy. Cheating is one of the choices that really breaks apart a whole family. I work with it a lot. Mm. So what you're saying is that there's um, a natural tendency in with men and women to simply just want to reproduce, like any organism. Biologically, yeah. we're programmed that way. Yeah. And m men have no more of an excuse than women do. Okay. Men do secrete testosterone, which is more aggressive. It's more focused. And men focus more on sex. But women are as in need to have sex and be loved as men are. Mm. So all of the things we hear contrary to that are myths. Yeah. And I, I once heard somebody said, I believe it was Charlemagne, the God, he made a point and he said, men cheat for ego and women cheat for emo in regards to like men are usually cheating because there's some type of 
insecurity that he's dealing with that he wants to prove himself and, you know, validate himself using yes. women. And then women usually, if they're not feeling emotional support from their partner, they go ahead and they, they go lead to infidelity. Do you, have you seen that as well in your practice? I've seen that, but I've seen other things too. For example, men, when they're stressed out, unless they're really stressed, one way men relieve themselves when they're stressed is they have sex. Mm -hmm. When women are stressed, our sex shuts off. Mm. Women need to be relaxed and feel like they can escape. Mm, so if point. they have a partner, think about it, and they're with their kids all day or they're working, they're the only one responsible. They come home and he's like, he had a bad week or he's tired. He's like, ah, oh, come here. I want to have, <laughs> you know, he starts treating <laughs> yeah, her all nice. Yeah. You can see how she starts distancing herself and just feeling like this guy only wants me for one thing. Mm. And women begin feeling uh, misused, worthless. And so women are looking for someone who understands that and will connect with them on a real emotional level. That's a really great point. And I feel like it also leads into what we're going to talk about today is that there's this totally different biological wiring when it comes to human sexuality between the male and female gender, that if you don't fully understand that, it leads to frustration and discontentment. Like you pointed out, if men are using sex as a relaxation, you know, yes. to relieve, relieve stress. After a very stressful day, they're going to want to engage in sex. But if a woman needs comfort and, and peace of mind to engage with sex, if she had a really rough day, maybe whether that's at work or dealing with the kids, she's not going to want to do it. And that, and that creates a whole anger and tension because the man's like, why won't you want to do it? And the woman's like, why won't you understand that why I don't want to do it? Right. You know? And then he ends up feeling rejected mm. and she ends up feeling unheard. Mm. You know, I've told many couples, if you really want to have a fantastic date night, get the babysitter an hour before you're going to go out mm. so that mom can go in become pretty. Women need to put their sexy on. They yeah. don't go from holding a baby <laughs> to their man coming home saying, let's go out for dinner, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then being like, oh, I love you, yeah. I love you, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah. And because women need to feel like they're protected, that they can escape. If a guy wants to turn his wife on, he should actually plan the babysitter, tell her to pack, that he's taking her out, he's got control over everything, all she has to do is pack an overnight suitcase. <laughs> She'll get so excited. Where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah, Just yeah. pack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. Come, he comes home from work. He's got the babysitter. She has time to get her, you know, to get ready. They take off. He's in full control. Now she can let go mm. because he's got things under control. Yeah. It's usually not that way. He comes home. He's looking for a shirt that he <laughs> wants to wear to go out. <laughs> he wants to have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids are screaming. <laughs> She's had no time. She went from work to taking care of the kids. Yeah. You can see how it just, it implodes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's never going to work. Those marriages are not nurturing mm. the, the real emotion underneath. That's funny. <laughs> I, I, it that, is that reminds fun. me of like every every scene in the sitcom. Yeah. And, uh, but but so what's really interesting about this discussion? I'm really excited about bringing you on today. Is something that I realize is that when it comes to sex, it's something that everybody's talking about, but nobody actually really understands the realities of it, the implications of it, the social, emotional, physical, and all these different things, components in regard to it. Because a lot of times you learn sex from 
one or two things. You learned it from, well, actually three things. I would say one is media, television, mm -hmm. which yes. we know is absolute fictional. And I think you could also add, you know, pornography into that media, which yeah. is another realm of fiction that we can dive into later. Or you learn it from your peers or your, you know, and they tell you all types of exaggerated yes. stories and, you know, myths <laughs> and all types of <laughs> types of things that are just totally untruths. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is you learn from your own personal experience. But for in my opinion, from my studies and from the conversations that I've had, for a lot of people, it's extremely negative. And a lot of people, it's extremely frustrating, confusing, and it's really unhealthy. And I really feel as though it's just so important because when you think about it, when do you sit down and have this real conversation about mm -hmm. understanding this dynamic? Well, if you had it in high school, you were, what, not freshman year, 13, 14 years old? Your brain wasn't fully developed. You didn't understand these things. And by the time you get to an adult, you, you, you feel as, though, oh, I don't, I'm not going to sit and take a class or I'm not going right. to sit and listen to a lecture or read a book. And so I feel like there's so many uneducated people who, are, who, in my opinion, are extremely hurting in regards to this area. And this conversation is really needed to be had. Yes, I think what happens a lot of times is we, because of social media and dating apps, we've looked at, we, we haven't really looked at relationships anymore. We've looked at sex. Mm. It's become superficial and more recreational. Like people plan for it. You know, they're like, I'm going to take you to dinner. I'm going to wine and dine you three times. And on the third time, I'm going to have sex with you. Mm. That's kind of the standard right wow. now. And people talk about it all the time. But whenever you put something sacred like sex into the realm of a Saturday night recreation or a weeknight, you know, like fun time, you destroy some of some of the as the emotional aspects of it. And s good sex is emotional. And when you have it recreational, you forget that the person you're lying with may not feel that way about sex. And so you may end up feeling, man, that felt so good or that felt so right or whatever. I had a good time. But do you know what that person felt? Will that person be honest with you? Are you guys close enough that you're actually able to talk about your sex life and what it meant for you and what it means for you going forward? Because I can tell you for most women, sex is different going forward. It's never the same after having sex with someone. And I think a lot of times, the men I've talked to, that isn't true. Mm. I think it, it may deepen their relationship a little bit on the guy's point of view, but not always. Mm. So that's the interesting thing, and, I, and I've thought about that. It seems as though when a woman, and obviously we're doing generalizations here, and yeah, there's obviously right. exceptions to the rule, please God, don't yeah. say, I'm different. We know right. you're different. Yeah, well, everybody's talking, different. We know. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're breaking every yeah. standard. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but one of the things that I've, I've seen is that usually when a woman engages with sex with a man, it, it, it brings them closer. Right. Usually it brings them closer. Mm -hmm. And for usually for a man, what I've seen is that it, not saying it distances himself, but when it's recreational, it definitely creates even more of a chasm that I've already gotten what I've needed from you or what I wanted from you, and now I don't need you anymore. So it seems as though that there's, there's this little weird dance that's going on in which one person's taking a step forward, another person's taking a step backwards. That's right. And, you know, we're into Halloween now, mm -hmm. and I, I've gotten so many. I don't know if it's because of the moon or Halloween <laughs> or what it is, yeah. but I've gotten so many 
um, comments from different listeners who are talking about being ghosted. Mm. And many of the times, the reason they were ghosted is they went too fast, too soon. But they, re- they reject that, and they get somewhat defensive when I mention that. And, they sh- and th- for good reason, because we have people out there who, these, who people are looking at as their mentors, their celebrities, who have sex on the first date and don't think anything of it. Or they compare themselves to other friends who are having recreational sex, and they say, why shouldn't I? They've got this idea that recreational sex is fun, mm-hmm. that that's what sex is. But sex is powerful. I'm a sex therapist. I'm very, very careful about ever prescribing sex for anyone or mm. how you should go about that. It's different. Mm. No, that's a, that's a really, really powerful statement. And that's just something that when we, you and I were talking yesterday, what I've seen is that historically speaking, sex has always been a bit of a, a glue, a sacred glue that's meant to bond. It should. It's, that, that, the it's, best yeah, sex yeah. should. That's, yeah, it's meant to bond two partners. Yes. But then what I'm seeing is that when it becomes recreational, like, it, the sex begins to lose the, its stickiness, yes. right? It begins, so now you're trying to shut off, right? You're trying to shut off from connecting with somebody. The very thing you're doing, which is meant to connect to, it, to the person in Besides you, you're now trying to not catch feelings or not try to connect. So eventually, sex loses its meaning and value, you know, in which moving forward, if you do get into a marriage, you're unable to connect now because you've kind of wasted what it was meant to be. Exactly. Sex, when it becomes recreational, is like anything else that is recreational. You begin performing Mm -hmm. you begin trying to increase your pr in sex (laughs) that means you know honestly (laughs) that's what you do i mean i'm a runner i'm a competitive (laughs) runner it's recreational too let me tell you every time i run there's a i'm always thinking of the next time Mm. and that's what happens with sex except with sex because testosterone needs variety that men don't think wow, I'm going to change a different room or I'm going to get, I love this woman so much. I'm going to keep thinking of ways we can do new things so that we won't ever get sick of each other. No, it's so much easier to just replace them. Mm. And women do it too, but women aren't like that with with sex usually because it's got a deeper meaning yeah. unless they have a sex addiction, yeah. which is rarer in yeah. women. And that point about the emotional aspect of sex is more felt by women. And what I've noticed is that usually men, as they mature and they get older, they're more in tune with their emotional side. They're more in tune with their feelings. Usually women do that at a very, are able to do that at a very young age. And so what, I be, what, I begin, what I've seen is that for a lot of these women, they feel as though they're not good enough or there's something wrong with them because they can't do what the men do. And, they, and, and then this unhealthy masculine standard becomes the standard for everybody. And if you can't not have feelings, there's something wrong. But in reality, I would argue that the, the, the men who are unable to connect, uh, you use it like, you know, on to the next one. They're the ones who are who there's something off with. And they should be trying to be more like you. But I feel like people have that backwards. They have it backwards because for some reason, women have equated equal rights with equal sexuality. Mm. And it has become a big issue because women 
are not wired. Estrogen does not do the same thing for women as testosterone does for men. Explain that. Women's power is in our ability to network. Women who lose a partner are much stronger and do much better with coping skills than the men do because men don't have coping skills. Men replace people mm. with other people. Men take risks, unhealthy risks. If a woman is broken up with or someone you know, dies, if her partner dies, she will be surrounded by other people. There's a network for her where people will take her out, calm her down, emotionally connect. Men don't have that. Men rely on women or a partner to do that for them. Hmm. And so if they use that partner or many partners, they never get the depth they need. Men will eventually end up feeling very alone because even though they are physical, they need the emotional just like women do. I see more men in my practice than women. Not one of them tells me how much sex they need. And I'm a sex therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tell me they need the the um, intimate connection. Yeah, and that and that point was really, really powerful because one thing that I've I've noticed is that unfortunately in the social media society that there's not a lot of honesty when it comes to these, yeah. these things. And there's a lot of men who are lonely, who may be having all the sex in the world and they're feeling empty inside, but they're not having that conversation because of this false view of masculinity that that's, you're supposed to like that. You're just supposed to be cool. Like, oh yeah, I'm just, I have no feelings. I can just have sex with all these girls. I'm cool. But in reality, they're lonely and they're hurting and people don't see that. So a lot of these young boys who are growing up are looking at these men who are engaged in all types of behavior. They're like, yo, I want to be like him, not knowing that that guy is hurting. And then a lot of the women are like, like you say, they think of, you know, equality is similar to like um, what equality is being like a man. That's not equality. You know, right. equality is, is having equal rights and and equal pay for yeah. equal jobs yeah. done. Yeah. But but if you're going to ask for equality, then yeah. ask for the power of femininity yeah. to sustain you being feminine and and promoting our femininity in all areas is going to make the world better. That doesn't mean we need to have sex recreational or with as many partners as we want to. If women want to do that, that's up to them. It's yeah. not healthy, yeah. but it's still up to them. But it shows nothing about being equal yeah. in that. It's a decision of whether or not it's mentally healthy. And having sex with numerous partners we know is not mentally healthy. People who do that have usually been abused or they're looking for something to fill them. Just like an overeater, it's the same type of addiction. It's the same compulsion driving it. So what is some of the pushback that you've gotten in regards to that idea? Because I, I can imagine if somebody right now like, yo, that's not true. I disagree. Yo, I'm happy. I'm doing like. But what is some of the pushback you've gotten to the idea, idea, I'm sorry, to the idea that recreational sex is really unhealthy? Well, I mean, the pushback I get usually is it sounds, I think people get it confused with religiosity or with what their faith is. And it has very little to do with that, although you could use your, fa your faith as a moral reason that you don't want to do that. That is not what I'm prescribing. I, if you have a moral faith, if you have a faith and you like to follow that, you have a high value on it, 
and it tells you not to stay to stay committed or something healthy, I would use that mm-hmm. if I could. But yeah. what I'm saying mostly is that when you make sex recreational, rather than keeping it sacred, you take the most potent part of a sexual relationship away from it. Yeah, and that's and that's fascinating because like when it comes to like protection, like so like with safe sex, when it comes to protection, we understand the the physical risk of recreational sex. And so what then is given to people to prevent the physical risk of recreational sex is, you know, condoms, you know, contraception, stuff like that, to prevent the natural, like in the natural state of engaging, these are the physical risks you're gonna take place. So you have to supplement the, the, um, um, the risk with these items. But what's really interesting is that there's also spiritual and emotional risk that no one's really talking about. Right. And um, and this is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, you know, Hafiz, I, this is what I keep looking at. If we really wanted to change the dynamics of teaching young people um, healthy sex, we would build more community centers where kids could get together and talk. We wouldn't. We wouldn't shut them out of our homes or make them sneak away to have sex. There's a societal idea that young people have to have sex, and they're going to have sex with as many people as they can want. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not, that is so provincial. Mm. What is wise is to create centers or open your home to teenagers, to your teenager and others, so they can, you can sit around and talk, mm. explore ideas, because we know what keeps kids healthy, what helps them choose healthy partners, have a healthy sex life, have healthy work relationships, is their ability to relate to each other. Yeah. And you don't need to have sex to be intimate or relate with someone else. Yeah. You need to learn how to listen. You need to learn how to discuss things that are hard. Yo, what's good, everybody? And this week's episode is brought to you guys by Skillshare. Guys, you know that Skillshare are our amazing partners. They are a -a one-of-a-kind online learning community where you can learn all types of amazing creative entrepreneurial and design skills. If you have not and got on Skillshare, go ahead and sign up for Skillshare immediately, guys. They have so many amazing courses like the Finding Your Purpose course, and as always, if you want to build up more skills, I highly advise you guys hop on the video editing. I don't know how many times I need to say it. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and get yourself Skillshare for free. Yes, guys, I've said it so many times. It is free. You do not have to pay any money. There's no excuse to not level up financially, not level up creatively. So go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Thank us later, and let's get to this week's episode. So one of the books I was reading recently is a book called His Needs, Her Needs, and Mm -hmm. it talks about the unique um, desires in a relationship that men have and the unique desires that women have. One of the things they talk about is sexual fulfillment. So my question is that is... Is it possible that some of these guys who are struggling, is it because there is a lack of sexual fulfillment in their relationships? And if the answer is true, then what can a man do in a, if he's in a relationship like that where he doesn't feel like he's being sexually fulfilled? Well, you know, sexual sexuality in general is... It, it becomes, it's part of the brain. I mean, honestly, if you can think, 
and you can communicate your needs well. Most of my male clients that aren't getting sex enough or they complain about it, their communication skills are really poor. Okay. Like they're not able to open up and they're not able to talk to their partner in a way that their partner understands. Men and women talk very differently. And guys don't ever say, I just feel unworthy. I feel like I'm ugly. I feel like you don't desire me. I feel like you're repulsed by me. Do I stink or am I not taking care of myself? Men will never ask that because men are afraid to ask that. But Mary Jo, can can a man ask that question? Oh, absolutely. If a man isn't getting sex, he better ask that. You goddamn right. Because (laughs) if he doesn't, then he's never, it's never. Men assume a certain priority that when they get married, they will get have sex. It's part of the whole idea that I do this for you and you do this for me. But that's not healthy sex, and that won't last in a relationship. You're much better off if you marry a partner or you end up with a partner, a long-term partner, and you say, what's important to me, I love the way you have sex with me, and then identify that. Like, if you have a partner who takes that apart and says, what what part of it is really special? They might actually have a technique you do that feels really good, or it might just be the feeling they're getting from that. And there's six forms of intimacy. Sex, the physical sexuality, the release is only one of them. But what, what kind of a man would be successful getting sex if he only wants that and he's not willing to please his partner. Okay, Mary Jo. <laughs> How deep are we going to go? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> well, I just want to make that clear because yeah. I think it's very, I think there's so much miscommunication in sex. And, and that particular question comes up all the time. I'm not getting enough sex. Well, when I ask them, tell me about sex for you, they get all embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And, and their partner says, yeah, tell me too, mm-hmm. because I've never heard you say it. So basically, you, you're feeling as though there's not a healthy line of sexual communication between the genders, and that's what's causing a lot of sexual dysfunction in these relationships and the lack of sexual desires met because they can't even talk about the issue amongst themselves. Right, and part of it is because when a man says, I'm not getting enough sex, the woman feels bad. And she feels, she gets defensive right away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I told you I'm not, but that's that's really not good communication for her either. Mm-hmm. She, it would be much better if she said, let's talk about it. Mm. But they're not because now it's already become contentious. Mm. When sex gets contentious, nobody gets laid. <laughs> and if they do, it doesn't feel good. Exactly. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to tell you a fear of mine. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest here. So I I don't want that issue at all in my marriage. Like, I mm-hmm. want my woman to desire me 24-7 <laughs> to the point where I want to be like, nah, you got to chill. <laughs> so I feel like if, if, it's, if it's hard for a woman to get herself to have sex with a guy, I feel like that can be an issue. And I feel like, most men, we have to understand that if you are dating somebody that's not really sexually desirous towards you, 
I feel like that could that has to be pointed out, and we have to maybe even walk away from that. So I'm curious of your thoughts. Like, if a woman that has to talk herself or get in the mood to actually, you know, get in the bed with you, do you see that as an issue? I do and I don't. And the reason is because women's sex life is very hard to pin down. Women get sexual um satisfaction from a lot of different sources for men it's usually penetration you a guy gets penetration and he feels great but for a woman that's not always true and because of women the stages they go through sometimes sex is painful like after childbirth it may be due to just birthing the child it may be due to during perimenopause that usually happens in the late 30s Many women have trouble with lubrication. They don't have the same sex hormones. And at that point, the the vaginal tissue actually can get um, atrophied and atrophied. And so it hurts. Mm. And if it hurts, she's not going to want to have sex. And many times she won't tell the man, the her partner that it hurts. She'll just lay there and bear it, which makes it 10 times worse because then she's never going to have sex again. But once again, if he can't talk to her, if it's all about him just having sex, it probably doesn't feel as good to him either. Yeah. But because he wants that so bad, he will have sex with her, and then it, and then she'll start to resent him. Yeah, because one of the things I've heard is that a lot of women have communicated in regards to affection. Mm-hmm. They don't want to tell the guy to be affectionate. They don't yes. want to tell the guy to buy her flowers. They don't want to tell the guy to tell to say that I'm beautiful. They don't want to tell the guy to say that I love you and to hug them and to kiss them. And I feel like the same thing is true for men with sex. I feel like men don't want to have to tell a woman, hey, I want you to want me. Hey, I want you to rip my clothes off. Hey, I want you to you know, give me that special you know, thing with, you know, that you do on Sunday evenings. They don't want to communicate those things. So... What do you talk? What do you tell couples who are dealing with that, where both parties don't feel like? Let's focus on men right now. Right. Where the man doesn't feel like he wants to have to tell the woman to want to satisfy him sexually. I well, first of all, it's the same thing I tell women that hinting never works mm. because women that turns women on when men are vulnerable. But this is the problem I've seen with men. Men are raised in a way that to be vulnerable is considered to be weak or feminine. And and men have an idea that showing any weakness no longer makes them masculine. And they know women want a masculine guy. Very true. So guys have to do a duel. Like, they have to understand, especially with society now, because I actually see society really changing, mm. that men have got to take the crap they heard, and I call it crap because it's just men saying, oh, you know, you want to pin as many as you can or all the different things they say, you want to score with as many as you can. It, that's what a man is or man up. That kind of verbiage is actually hurting our men. What we want is we want a man to be strong in his sense of who he is, in his integrity, in giving his word, in keeping his honor. But we want him to be emotional, which we don't see as feminine. Okay, can you break that down? Because I know a lot of guys hearing that right now, Mm -hmm. that's the reason why they're watching this podcast, because they were emotional, the girl left them, the girl was interested in them. So what do you mean by women want men to be emotional? Women want men to be vulnerable with them. 
And what I'm saying is when couples are no longer able, when they don't want, when they want their partner to read their mind, already they've lost an essential part of their true intimacy, the connection. Because when you're really intimate with someone, you want to tell them that stuff. Like you want to tell them, I want flowers. You want to tell them, I liked my balls licked. Whatever it is, you want to say those things. You want to say them because you trust your partner that they're going to want to do that for you. If you stop being able to tell your partner exactly what you want, then you've lost a main form of what I consider intimate communication. So that so it was a disconnect from the beginning then. It was a disconnect from somewhere along the line there is an unresolved issue. Mm. And it and it hurt. It it hurt either the guy or the woman and now they're both just reacting to it. So a lot of my therapy is taking stuff apart. Like I will say a typical session When's the last time the two of you remember being really intimate and happy together? The majority of them say over at least five years ago. Wow. Sometimes it's 10. Wow. And then I'll say at what point, and usually they're spot on. They remember it. Really? But it was so painful, they can't go back to it. Okay, so so let's go, let's, let's go back to it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so five years ago, ten years ago, what was going on at that time which made the intimacies at the at its highest point? It was something well, they were getting along, they were talking about what they wanted, they felt close, they felt supported by each other. They felt as though when their partner held them, their partner would please them. They felt like no nobody else could ever replace them in that relationship. And then something happens. And it happens to one partner, but the other one reacts to the reaction of the partner. Mm. And that's when it starts dividing. What, and what usually happens? Well, the more they divide, the less they communicate about what they want because they start, their mind starts telling them, you won't get it anyway, so don't talk about it. Because when you talk about it, it only makes you more frustrated and more lonely and more hurt. Mm. And so they they just don't say it anymore. A guy who knows his partner loves flowers and he doesn't get them or he forgets to get them is a guy who's not getting sex. Mm. Or if he is, it's because he begs for it. Mm. I'm not begging for it. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you know something your partner likes and you withhold it, it usually means that that you're not communicating well. So what started first, um, her not getting flowers or or him not getting sex? Well, I don't know. What happened first is some emotional pain that one of them said to another. Mm. That may not have been related to either sex or anything. Mm. So basically what what you've experienced is that everything is going well, they're healthy, they're happy, they're communicating, but then something happens where something is said and one of the parties is hurt. And then whenever one of the parties is hurt, that party now withholds something from the other party, which then the other party withholds what they desire as well. Exactly. But it's not done, if it were done so clearly, then they could intercept it. And one of them, the more emotionally mature one, or the one who who had the ability to maybe extend more grace, I don't know what else to call it, would say, listen, 
you know, we're really messing up. We're going way off track. You know, it's interesting because when we look at what causes divorce and Gottman, the group, the Gottman group have done a lot of research on this. And they say it's um, contentiousness in the relationship, but it's a pattern of continued. Mm. That's all there is. So that means that any couple can intervene in that at any time and still save the relationship. So when we do this podcast in a way, we're doing that intervention for people. We're saying, stop it. Mm -hmm. Just stop what you're doing and let's go back a little bit and let's redo, let's let's talk about what's really hurting. Mm. Because if you say what's really hurting is I'm not getting laid anymore and you act like you don't want to ever lay with me, um, what hurts about that? What does that signify for you? Hmm. Because honestly, you do have hands and you do have ways of relieving yourself. It's so, not the same. Yeah, I was just <laughs> It's not the same and that's what I need couples to get at. Mm. What makes this person different? Mm. Because that's exactly what they need to hear. Hmm. Communication is just so important. Oh, it's so important. And, and I think a lot of times people are raised it with religions. And religions can make sex sound nasty. Depending on which faith base you are and what your parents told you, it can seem like you're doing something wrong. It can seem nasty. And that also interferes in relationships. And many times, part of the reason my couples don't want to talk about sex is because they just they have this idea that it's nasty or it's just to procreate but but that's not i mean sexuality is a very important part of the overall intimacy and it's important to men but it's important to women too because what do women do when they go through a divorce after they've grieved it after they've gone through the stage of you know making sure the the kiddos are okay, and and everything else they have to do. Most women I know will start getting in shape. Oh, they'll get in shape. They'll start eating healthy. They'll start doing all this stuff. And why? Because they want to dress nice. Why would they want to dress nice? They want to attract another partner, and they're going to have sex with that partner. So how 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 can okay? <laughs> so it is important. Yeah. People who, men who say, which it's just not as important to women as it is to men, you are kidding yourself. And so one of the things that it sounds like to me is that there is a desire issue. Because I, yes. I truly see, like you said, when a woman genuinely desires a man, she's going to be working out. She's going to be trying to get in shape. And she's going to love to enjoy sex with him. So one of the biggest things I tell guys is you want to make sure if you're picking a partner, have a woman who genuinely desires you. And so to me. But you have to make them desire you. Okay. Yeah, you got to be because, the man. Yes. You've got to be the man. And that man is not a closed off emotional. When you When men date. I see them. They come in my office and they've got their girlfriend with them and they're just like so loving and they hold, they're holding hands and they're saying stuff like, okay, yeah, you're, you know, they'll, they're just so different. And then they get married and they identify their job as providing. And it is, I mean, for many men, that is how they were raised. That's their job. But it's important that you don't prioritize the pro that project over the one you have at home. And women, 
women just feel like they're not a priority. And women do it to men. They're always with their girlfriends. They're on their phones. They're sending pictures of shoes and stuff like that. And, I mean, that should all be with their man. Mm. He should be interested in their shoes and what they're wearing because <laughs> that's how he's going to have sex. So what, in your opinion, what is it that men do that cultivates this passionate sexual desire in women from your personal experience? From my personal experience, it's as much as they can share about how they feel about things she says and does huh. and different sensitivities. Do you think and he has to look the part. Okay. Because if he shows up and he's all, he just is disheveled and he's insecure and he's passive. I mean, yeah, they probably would still like you to share, but because yeah. I think I think what Fees is asking is more of like an initial, like the beginning stages. Yeah, I do feel like you are absolutely correct when you know three, four, five thousand years down the line. Yeah, the more vulnerable you are, the better. But right. Like initially, what do you feel like uh, the answer? I is? think the majority of women want to know a guy's in control of mm. himself and and his words. Mm. So like that, and and to me that seems like you said it previously. That's a strong masculine um, lead, you know. Like you said, the idea of I control my life, I'm leading my life, I have my life in control, and and I can lead you healthily in this relationship. Yes, it's it's a it's a it's a masculine, and re- rather than the word strong, I'm going to say integrity, okay. because integrity comes through as a strength. Men haven't been raised to think with integrity because men have given in to, to crap other men have told them. But integrity is owning your own power. And it's knowing, like I th- always think of it as a unified man, like he's got God in the right place, he's got his mind in the right place, he's got his body in the right place. Mm. And when he says something, I listen because I, tr- I automatically trust him. Mm, I love that point. Trust because, is really important. Yeah. I remember somebody once said, like, you know a woman genuinely desires you when if you guys were um, g- going skydiving, you could pack her parachute in her bag and she wouldn't double check it. Right. Because she trusts you that much to know that you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that she's safe. But the moment that you pack it and now she's going through it to make sure everything is all right, it's showing that somewhere down the line she's lost trust in your ability to keep her safe and to, and to protect her. Right. And, I mean, if we really want to take apart biology, those are the qualities, men's integrity and their protective stance. That's what women have always have always, has always turned women on about men, that they felt like this man had integrity and was going to protect them mm. and keep them safe. And so when a man loses that, then she might play with a guy. He might become a recreational sex buddy, mm. but he's not going to become someone who really turns her on and she's like, I will do anything to keep like to keep this relationship intact. Yeah, I like that energy. <laughs> yeah. Let's stay there. Yeah. <laughs> Where the woman is turned on and she's doing everything to, to keep the relationship. What are some of the things that put her in that position? 
Well, I think once again, when guys, when their words match their behaviors, mm-hmm. when they seem um, like they own themselves, like they have self-discipline, a guy who says, well, tomorrow I've got to, you know, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to do this, you know, 10 mile run. They actually do it. They don't sleep in mm-hmm. and she doesn't have to call him to wake mm. him up. And, um, or a guy who plans a date mm-hmm. and actually plans it. Yeah. And that means if she has a child, he's sure that she has care for that kid. Mm. A guy that basically shows up for her. Yeah. And when he's he's true, like he doesn't talk about, like he doesn't talk to her friends without her there. He keeps his boundaries. Mm-hmm. So the the man of the word is that. I, I love that you brought that up. Um, because like you said, it, it also goes true when it comes to boundaries, right? Yes. So like, I think sometimes what, um, a lot of the guys I struggle with, I call them the nice guys, they struggle with boundaries. And one of the reasons why they struggle with boundaries is that occasionally, let's say, you know, someone disrespects them, their no doesn't mean no. And when a person feels like your no doesn't mean no, then they keep on pushing the boundaries, keep on walking all over you. And that's when I feel like when when a woman knows that I can walk over a man, she now loses some of that sexual desire and interest in them. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that to be true as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think of integrity as having really good boundaries. Mm. And that's not only boundaries with between you and the woman, but that's boundaries with their friends too. Mm. A lot of guys will forfeit their partner for their friends. Like they, they might have a strong boundary in the relationship they form, but they don't with their buddies. Mm. Their buddies can just come in anytime. Mm. And they're like, well, you know, my buddies, they're my brothers and they can come anytime. But that's really not keeping a relationship sacred. Mm. And it makes it makes her start trusting you less. Mm. And trust is one of those things, you know, if you have it, you don't want to sacrifice it. Because it's a long time. Can you explain boundaries just a little bit more in detail? Like when you say like somebody has a home, are you talking about like men just coming in and out the house as his friends? Or are you talking about like boundaries with her and her friends and his relationship with her friends? I love that, Chris. It's with everything. Like I think the couple has, when when a couple becomes exclusive and they are together, then the most important thing is they have a boundary around the two of them. Because if you don't trust that boundary, then you can never really be as sexual or carefree or fun as you can be if you really trust that other person. So boundaries are things like you don't tell other people what each other says. You don't, you know, you don't share photos, especially photos that could hurt your partner on social media. You don't tell other people weird things she says or sensitive things. Let's say she's afraid of, I don't know, elevators. You wouldn't go and tell everybody else, hey, she's afraid of elevators. You would protect that. If she confided that in you, you would be honest about that. And then I think that boundary is very important. You can have a boundary with your buddies and she can have a boundary with her girlfriends, but it's important that they understand that boundary with the girlfriends does not come in with the friends. Like if she has a fight with you, she doesn't go to her girlfriends and tell them about Mm -hmm. it. Unless she talks to you and says, do you mind if I ask so-and-so what they think? Mm -hmm. If you guys have an objective front, but that would really be crazy. Because friends are never objective. You'd almost, you know, if you talk to a parent or something, 
that you you knew love both you guys that would be different but mm-hmm. i think when boundaries are kept kept sacred because one thing we do know about women's sexuality is for a woman to really let go and have good sex she needs to escape where she's at mm-hmm. and she will never feel like she can escape with somebody who can't take care of her mm. and i think that's in a lot of the long term relationships we've seen Guys, guys have started prioritizing other things like money, like work, like status, and they so their partner never feels like she can really be sexy again. That's why when you go to a hotel, you have wild sex because she's escaping, and she's but she's going to take ownership of protecting herself because she doesn't trust you anymore. Mm. I think men love better than women. I'm not talking sexually. I'm, oh, okay. I'm talking. I'm talking about their um, their commitment. And if you have to be sure he really loves you, I think there's a lot of guys that talk the talk. Um, but I think once a man truly loves a woman, she better really hold up her end. Mm. Mm. <laughs> just what I'm saying. I've been with this guy forever that I'm married to, and I will. He's just surprised. Go ahead, me. Fees. I know you won't. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll come back to Chris. Okay. <laughs> Let's stay here. Yeah. Why do you feel as though in today's world, people hearing you sh- sharing that right now, they believe that's not true? Why do you feel as though so many people have such, have given men such a bad rap in regards to not being able to love people well? I think there's a lot of men who are imposters and they talk the talk. They think they've got this deluded idea that loving is performance and they're confused. But love is not a performance. Love is going the extra mile and being willing to to do the right thing beyond understanding. Anybody else would say, why did you do that? And you're just like, because it's it was my, because I love her. That's what they usually come back to. When I have guys in therapy, I'm always amazed that the stuff they say, their, their, wives, their wives are not like that. Mm. Their wives are looking for the areas they need to change. And the guys... The guys are misrepresented. The guys have trouble communicating their inner parts. And a lot of that is because we haven't, as a society, accepted them. We have this idea that guys can't be weak or we, we don't somehow respect that. I, I think I, when I say we, I think we as a culture, we've put men up to be something like strong and stoic and non-communicative and cheaters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I think of what women around me think, that's, that's a lot of it. But that is so, that is so off base. But, but then at the same time, when I ask those women, where did you get this? They'll say, my mom, my mm-hmm. mom, I, my dad. My dad took off on my mom and... So it's really men that I think have to start walking the walk. And other men have to be their brothers and help hold them accountable. 
Do you feel as though, unfortunately, like I said, there's there's good people in this world, there's bad people, right. there's good men, there's bad men, there's good women, there's bad women. Do you feel as though that though there's a lot of good men, that the bad men get more publicity and the bl- bad men get more attention and the bad men's stories are told more, which creates these narratives in a lot of people's minds that the bad men are the only ones out there? Because that's the one thing that... Um, I know is that in the in news, like you're you're in the news as well. Like you know, mm-hmm. if it bleeds, it leads. The right. stories that sell the best are the, the negative stories. I mean, it's not the stories about the husband who's been faithful for his wife for fifty years. You know, who passed away months after she died out of heartbreak because he loved her. That's not going to make the news. What's going to make the news is the husband who beat his wife or the husband who, you know, abandoned her or cheated on her. So, do you feel as though that unfortunately there's a lot of bad publicity around the wrong kinds of men, which now cause a lot of women to believe that's all the con- those are all the men who are out there? I think that's some of it, but I think what's contributing to it, too, is where you were raised and how you were raised. And I'll give you an example. I grew up in a home where my father and my brothers respected women. And I I was never afraid of men. I'm I was like you, a gullible. I mean, mm. I loved men. I thought I could count on them to tell me everything. They could cry with me. I mean, I really loved them until one day, but when I got attacked by one. Mm. And then everything like Even that didn't change me completely, but I went, oh, wait a minute. You know, this was, this was up in Wisconsin, and I thought, you know, I was in a bad area. I started making reasons, excuses, why this man would do this. But then, a couple years later, I had another close call, and I'm like, okay, so men do this because i've never been attacked by a woman Mm. you know so you basically and women when they come toward me they don't threaten me men are bigger i'm small men are bigger so my first impulse is if i'm scared i'm not going to be my loving self i'm not going to be my trusting self i'm going to react that way and then in the news yes the people who are bad get a lot of publicity and there's a lot of men who just want to look bad. Like, they're soft as kittens, but they just... I think it's a macho thing. I think their their friends make them feel like, oh, you're a wussy. Like, if, you, if you're kind to your woman, you're a wussy. And that's just... That's crazy, but it's true, unfortunately. I mean, boys go through what I consider almost emotional abuse from other guys, from other boys in school. And I don't know what happens to them at home, but I there's a really couple good documentaries about what we indoctrinate boys with because we're looking at all these mass murders. They're all done by boys, right? Mm-hmm. What are we missing as a culture? And I think it's all of us. And I think this is a very real part of it, how they are in relationships. It, it, it sounds as a very feminine thing to say, to, mm-hmm. to say, oh, you have to heal. Because the typical masculine bravado alpha male is, I'm not hurt from anything, but that's erroneous. We mm-hmm. all we're all human beings. I think the biggest things that I pray that the show teaches people is that ma- men and women are humans, 
and we feel the same exact way. And the the lies we get from society and from the media and cultures about how women are this way, men are that way, are just untruths. And we're both people. We and the same way women cry, men cry the same way. And so a lot of guys who are hurting a little different than women, the guys who are hurting, they lash out in hurting other people, as you know. And the first person they hurt is themselves. I remember, and I'm rambling here, but I remember I was talking to somebody, and they were telling me that, why do men abuse women? I say, no, before a man ever abuses a woman, he abuses himself. Mm -hmm. He hates himself. And because he hates himself, then he hates other people. It stems from a hate of himself. Guys who are alcoholics are not fools. They don't think like the alcohol is helping. They know it hurts them, but it's out of the hatred of the, themselves. This is the only way to cope from the pain is to continue to hurt myself. They continue doing it. You know, when they're abusing their kids, they're, they're not just fools. They're not just oblivious to the pain that they're causing their kids. And so there's a hatred of self that comes from being deeply hurt in men. And you just see it manifested differently. And men just aren't, like you said, society hasn't created a culture where men can do what Chris and I do consistently and just be honest. Because for me, I just can't do what everybody else does. I've, I've experienced hurt in different ways, not to the extreme of anyone experienced it, experienced it, but I experienced hurt so much where it's almost impossible for me to do with other, somebody else, which then forces me to have to deal with it. I can't just use drugs or alcohol or women to numb my pain. I have to deal with it. And so the healing component is so pivotal in everybody's life. And mm -hmm. it's a journey and process that I'm currently on, and Chris is on as well. So my question to you, Mary, is that what are some ways that you've coached clients or you've counseled clients who need to heal that has helped them heal? And obviously, this I know there's specifics, and you're giving a general spill on it, but what are some tangible ways that you push people tangible things you push people to do to encourage their healing process well the first thing is what we're doing right now you have to talk to people that you trust about what happened 98 percent of all people who are abused were abused as children mm. that means that the self-hatred wasn't innate in them it was taught to them someone hated them first and so unless they can talk about it and reparent themselves, in other words, when you talk about it, you get validity. Someone goes, oh, my God, that was terrible. Then you realize, and then usually that person will say, well, man, I got over it. You don't get over it like that. It takes years. I think secondly, second, just self care doing those reparenting the things those re-loving you can start affirmations you can start by when you screw up changing what you normally say to yourself re-talking it like being proud of yourself that you took a risk tell yourself out loud have mirror time talk that's when you look in a mirror and you just talk to yourself you remind yourself of what you've been through how courageous you are how bold you are how incredible um how incredibly masculine or feminine you've been to be able to step up to this mirror and tell the truth and not beat yourself up. Mirror talk is really important. And we, we do teach women that a lot of times in healing, af especially after 
attacks or rapes, we never teach men. And men are attacked and raped too. Mm. And that's one thing we just don't go. Why? Because there's a machismo about the society that guys are different. Guys just suck it up. It doesn't, women, I hear women all the time, it doesn't really matter to them. It matters. Men are as emotional as women. They just have a different way of expressing it. And we created that different way. Their wife created that different way. She, she may not have created, it may have been set by his parents, but she contributed and enabled it. Um, taking time to cry and watching sad movies so you both can cry. Crying a release, even if it isn't about what the hurt was, really helps. It starts changing the brain chemistry. That's another way. And journaling. Journaling is so important because whatever you catharse on paper, it helps heal and change the brain patterns much more than if you just put it in your phone or talk about it. That's why a lot of my talk therapy is also having them write. Like I have a lot of times when I say, I want you to write exactly what you were thinking the first time whoever said that, that broke your heart. Mm, that's really good because... Something I realized, and I, and I know Chris kind of shared like how certain things affected me, but um, I am very sensitive to like feminine. Um, is it anger? I guess it's anger. Anger, like like violence from women, and mm. I, I don't want to use the word violence. Mm. Uh, what's the word? What, what can I say? Anger, aggression, aggression, aggression female yeah. aggression, yeah. female yeah. aggression. aggression. Yeah. Female aggression really, really hurts me. It triggers something. It triggers yeah. me. Yeah. And and women hurt me in ways men just can't. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like they really, really hurt me in ways that men just can't. Like, you, he sees it all the time. I can get so devastated. And what I realized was, going back to what you're saying, like going back to childhood, I was, um, I was abused by a lot of female babysitters when I was mm -hmm. younger. Um, I had a – like, my parents came – to came from Nigeria to America. My dad had his brother here. My mother had nobody here. And so they were both working class people. So they just had to find people to babysit their children, but they didn't have money for daycares and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So they would have to get friends to babysit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the friends were women because, you know, Nigerian culture is a little bit different. Like, oh, you, there's a woman? Yeah, you can trust her. Mm -hmm. But... America, the whole other beast, as most people know. So there was a lot of female babysitters that abused me um, when I was younger. And I realized that's, like, why things bother me so much today and why things negatively affect me so much today. So your point about going back to your childhood and seeing um, some of the pain points to be able to figure out what's going on in the present, it really, really resonates for what I went through. For You know, it's interesting when uh, men talk about what bothers them most in relationships, it's their partner's tone of voice. And I think a lot of that has to do with female aggression. And I, I've always thought, yes, if you had abusive women in your life, that would certainly be true. You would 
you would it, you would really be sensitive to it. But also, if you've loved women all your life and you had a loving mother and loving sisters, you put more emphasis, like you give them more power, more trust. Mm-hmm. It's like for me, the first time that man abused me or hurt me, I. I had already, without knowing because of my father, given men so much more trust. Mm -hmm. So when he did that, it hurt me in a way that, not physically, but emotionally. It was like when 911 happened. You know how we all felt like, oh, my God, no, not not us, not the mm-hmm. U.S., like we'll forever be scarred. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt. And I think... For you, Hafiz, that's what you're saying. It's scarring. Mm-hmm. Like it it just takes you off your, you know, your stance. It, it takes you a while to get your breath and come back and trust again. Yeah, yeah I was I, I can definitely relate. Um yeah, it was when I gave like giving that someone that power over someone, mm-hmm. like this was my last relationship, I didn't realize how much power I gave her with her words. So it was kind of like a like she kind of had the same same power as my father. Mm-hmm. So what she said would like really gave me my identity. So if it was good things my dad would say or she would say, then I would be happy. But when it was time to flame me up and get on me and like verbally abuse, however you want to say it, that crushed me a lot of the time. So I didn't understand. I didn't really get it until after I got out of the relationship. That I was like, man, like the power I give women over somebody that or someone that I let them speak identity to myself, you know, is crucial. So it's one of the things that I'm still kind of working on. Like, I have to give my own identity or say what God says about me and let that be the way I receive how I love myself and my identity rather than the words of other people. Yeah, but Chris, that's really, I mean, I I get that, Mm -hmm. but that's really hard because when you're in a relationship where you love someone so much, like, you know, that's what I think is the most loving. That's the greatest thing about a relationship. I, you, f- you are with someone and they give you their power and you give them your power. Not totally, but yeah. so much of it that if something happens, you're devastated. Mm-hmm. Personally, I like that. And my husband, I've given him that. And if he says something that is real hurtful, he knows it because I tell him it affects me like no other person. And I think sometimes if you're not in a relationship or you're, you know, you just are out in the world and you know you have these sensitivities, you have to protect yourself and say, you know, I'm very um, sensitive to this. And so I'm going, I'm going to try my best when I hear this to note it, but to let it pass over. And at those times, I would just journal about it because when someone is aggressive to you, the more you say, the worse it is. It just keeps digging deeper, and they find more vitriol to use against you. And before you know it, you're like, I hate this person. Like, And once that word comes out, it's over. Mm-hmm. So I think it's... I think it's happening in our society. I see it all the time. We're so misunderstanding. Nobody listens anymore. I mean, I, you know, you guys are like my brothers. I can tell you, I can go out on the street and if somebody walks toward me 
and he looks like he's going to hurt me, it can cloud everything I have with you guys and every other person, every other man I'm close to. And that, unfortunately, is what happens when something bad happens. Our brain remembers it so much more. It's like a survival tactic. Mm. How do you get over that? It's really hard, Hafiz, because basically it's your brain's way of keeping you safe. It's like when your boss tells you, gives you a report, and most of it is good, but they said a couple bad things. Well, you, most of us give our boss more power than just somebody walking down the street. So our brain automatically remembers that, and that just depends on how able you are to come back with positive self-talk. Well, they said all this other stuff. I am in a position where I could do this. Like part of the reason women are aggressive, I think, is because they feel like their side isn't being represented and some man hurt them.